2: One of the things I love about doing this podcast is to hear the incredible stories of people who've overcome huge medical issues and even end-of-life pronouncements by those in the medical profession, only to overcome their use using cannabis. And Today we have one of those heartwarming stories. When he broke his back, he was told he would never walk again. But he's walking, and he's fine now, and joining us from Dallas, Texas to tell his story is Russell Langhammer. Russell, thanks very much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it.
3: Howdy. How y'all doing?
2: Great. Now, prior to your back injury, I believe that you were a pretty healthy guy. Is that correct?
3: Yes, sir. I was a a football player uh, for 12 years, and then when I couldn't continue on with that sport, I started the... uh, sport of bodybuilding, powerlifting here in Texas, and did pretty well in it.
2: <laughs> now, to take us to the, the point where your life really changed with your back injury.
3: Well, um, we're not used to having snow, and in November of 2000, we uh, we had a freak snowstorm, an ice storm. A big cold front came, and I was working at the airlines here, here in Dallas, and uh I was the boss. I was running, running a crew on the ramp, and it was just—it was a nightmare. We had ice, snow, and a friend of mine had his flight had canceled, and he's like, "Hey, man, I need a gate." So I, I let my guys go to lunch. I went and parked him. What happened was I fell uh, from 17 feet, parking in an aircraft, and when I did, I broke L4, L5, and S1 to my mm-hmm. back. Wow. And you know they said hey <laughs> sorry buddy <laughs> you're never going to walk again uh, without help and i proved them wrong wow
2: that is uh, remarkable tell us about going through that process with your with your broken back
3: well you know what they do is is they the doctors here and and back in 2000 there was throwing out opiates like they were candy so my, my my company doctors for the airline, they were like, Oh, we'll get you back up, we'll get you back up, we'll get you going, we'll get you going. They start they got me on uh, hydrocodone. <laughs> mm. And then I went from oxycontin and then it went to dilatid, hydromorphone. Then they started adding benzodiazepines, and that's what really messed my life up was the the pharmaceuticals. And I was just following orders, keep in mind.
1: Mm-hmm. Were they now? When you they gave you these pharmaceuticals, and you started out at at you know what you did, and and then they're ramping you up. Are they ramping you up because the pills that you're taking are not taking care of the pain anymore? Were they taking care of the pain initially, and then they stopped working, and then they throw in a different opiate or or what? Yes,
3: ma'am. Yes, ma'am. What they do is is they get you. Okay, I'll I'll just give you my experience. I never took pills. I never took pills. And when I broke my back, I was in a lot of pain. And they were like, here, take this. I felt like Superman. I I, I went to work, and they were like, okay, okay, keep taking these pills. I did. I followed orders. I started out with like a half a pill a day. I felt great. But that, that ended up to like two a day, then three a day, and then two at each meal. I got bad on them, it, and I didn't realize it because I didn't use alcohol. But <laughs> those pills—they did—they destroyed me. And, so, and they were letting me—they were letting me take this medication and carry a gun. They were also letting me take this medication. And I was pushing airplanes with equipment that could move mountains. But if I would have got caught using cannabis, I'd have lost my career.
1: Yeah. Interesting. So basically, these would stop working and then they, because you'd built up such a tolerance and then they'd put you on something else. Is that correct?
3: Yes, ma'am. Uh, uh, people, some people that uh, understand that the Norcos, what they gave me are kind of like the the standard. But when those don't work anymore, they put you on Oxycontin and that's like heroin. Uh, I don't know if, if, if it was the same in Canada, but here in the United States, the Purdue Corporation, was just sued for making OxyContin, and and I mean it, it's it's a big it's a big uh, lawsuit down here. But I walked away from all of it with that magic plan,
2: Russell. What was life like for you on a day to day basis when you were taking all these pharmaceuticals? Did you notice that your personality was changing?
3: I didn't, but everybody around me did. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And how did that impa- uh, I, I, how did that impact those people around you?
3: It impacted my family. I lost family members. Uh, I, I lost, you know, close colleagues at work. Uh, but as long as I could do my job, the company didn't care. I uh, and back to your question, I lost family members. I lost people. Now that I look back on it, it changed me completely. It turned me into a, a person that, that I just wasn't.
2: Safe to say, you were a bit of an asshole.
3: Big time, big time.
2: Now, how did yeah, you? There was a
3: sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, I'm following your lead. Go ahead. No, I
2: was just asking you. You said you were a big time asshole. How so?
3: Well, my grandkids used to cringe when when I would come home, and and, and my wife, she would, you know. Mm-hmm. Stay away from me. Everybody would stay away from me. And, and you know, if I, I noticed that I had no friends, nobody wanted to talk to me, nobody wanted to interact with me. I was alone. I was alone and I was following doctor's orders. I kept fighting with them. I, I, I Everybody, you know, eventually you're, it's just you against yourself. I was very lost to, to answer your question. I was completely lost. And, and be honest with you. I don't remember a whole lot of those time that I was on that medication.
1: Russell, when did you uh, realize that yeah, you might have a bit of a problem?
3: When uh, uh, I, I tried to get off of them and the pain, which is was amazing. I couldn't deal with the pain. And then I realized well, I started gaining weight. My body started changing. And I mean, when you're a bodybuilder, especially a competitive bodybuilder like I was, you're in tune with your body. When you take those pharmaceuticals, you lose control. Mm. I gained forty pounds.
1: Mm. How long were you on the opiates before you realized that you had a problem?
3: About seven years, because the doctors told me you don't have a problem, and I believed them. You know, mm. I was following orders. But after seven years, I realized they got me. I'm I'm caught in a web. And it's going to take me a, a lot of hard work to get out of this.
2: Tell us how yeah. you got
3: out of it. I get emotional.
2: No, oh, that's fine. That's uh, okay.
3: I got out of it with my lovely wife and using cannabis. And I, have, I have a very good support here at my house, and that that in, in is part of my answer. Uh, I had a good support system. I lost my first family because of all the medications, and I had the second chance. I got remarried, and my wife stuck with me, and she told me, "You can do this," and I did it. If I hadn't had cannabis, I couldn't have done it.
2: How did I you? addictive personality. Yeah. How did Who, you? Whose
1: who's, who's idea was it to start cannabis? How did you even um, enter down that road as a possibility of something that would help you?
3: Well, I always used cannabis as a child. My mom's German and she was real open. She was a hippie. Uh, I was always allowed to use cannabis. So I used it secretly, but I never used it like I use it now. Uh, I use concentrates now that I had no clue existed five years ago.
2: Russell, take us through the process. You're, you're hooked on these pharmaceutical medications. They've changed your personality. You, you don't like the, what you have become, and you go over to cannabis. Tell us about the transition that that took.
3: It was traumatic. Uh, it, it, it involved hospitalization. Uh, while I was trying to get off the benzos, my body just started shutting down, couldn't sleep. I went back and I said, I need something to sleep. They gave me something to sleep and my body had a reaction and uh, I was hospitalized for nine days. I was told that I was in a coma. I don't remember anything. Hmm. I know my wife, when I woke up after nine days, she was feeding me and I was in a straitjacket. Wow. That was in Methodist Hospital here in in Dallas. Okay. um, That was just, to get off the the hydromorphone and the uh, uh, value.
2: Now, you you got off those. How did you feel when you were off?
3: I felt like I was going to die.
2: Okay. And how did you introduce these cannabis concentrates
3: into your life? I joined uh, an organization that I'd been following called DFW Normal. And... (laughs) I just went to one of their meetings, you know. I sat and watched them, talked to them, and, and they said, "Does anybody have a story?" I raised my hand and I said, "Hey, and by the way, I'm a conservative." Did they hold my step after they heard my story? Mm-hmm. They they introduced me to uh, cannabis concentrates. I trusted them, mm-hmm. and. um, uh, by using the cannabis concentrates, not only did it help me with my back, uh, I recently had five-way open-heart surgery. And I used a concentration of CBD, Rick Simpson oil, uh, FICO, and uh, something different called psilocybin mushrooms. And I, I'm back, guys. My back problems are in check. Uh the Rick Simpson oil and the dabs have completely changed my life. I don't need those medications.
2: Are you off all the pharmaceuticals now?
3: Oh, yeah, and I've got my mind back. I've got my wife back. I've got my family back. And you know what? My grandkids love me. I, I, I have the best relationship with my family now. It's taken uh, a couple years because, you know, they didn't trust me. Yeah. They didn't. They just knew. They knew me. Grandpa Hammer or Russell was it was mean. Oh, because his back hurts. He's in pain. So let him be. You know, I, I missed a lot of family things. Uh, I missed a lot of deals because I was in too much pain or I was high on opiates. Now I'm high on life and cannabis.
2: Yeah. Russell, can you tell us how much you take
3: uh, during a typical day? Yes, sir. Uh, when I wake up, I take uh, a quarter gram of psilocybin. I microdose that three times a day. I also take up to one gram of FICO slash Rich Simpson oil a day. I try to do it in uh, at morning, noon, and night.
2: Yeah, just like Corey tells people, right, Corey?
1: hmm Keep the cannabinoid level up in your system. Yeah, yeah.
2: absolutely. My
3: uh, my um uh, my cannabinoid system that I've i found out, it it's completely different than when I was taking, you know, the, the pharmaceuticals. I'm not stopped up, I have my mind back, I'm not sick. You know, COVID came through here back at our house back in October of twenty twenty and me and my wife, we we quarantined. Uh, we did everything that we were told to. The children didn't even come over, and we were back up and running in no time because I wasn't taking a bunch of pharmaceuticals to stop my body up.
2: Mm-hmm. Russell, the heart issue. Tell us about that. How did what what was what's behind that?
3: I uh, I used to chew tobacco when oh, I was an athlete. Man, you got to have some kind of you know. I I did. I, I chewed tobacco for thirty two years. And I woke up one day with a baseball in my throat. And we went to the hospital, and they took it out, and I got a pick line. It was infectious. That infection had attacked my heart. And I was diagnosed with dilated cardiomyopathy. Big word. Mm-hmm. My heart was swollen. Two sizes too big. So they put a pacemaker in. Uh, two years later, that pacemaker went bad. Wire came through my chest. Emergency surgery. They put a new one in. That's when cannabis helped a lot. But I'm on my fourth pacemaker now. Uh, two years ago, I had five-way open-heart surgery. They didn't give me any chance to live. They, they just told me, you know, it's it, it, all the years of, of opiate abuse has destroyed your heart. The infection destroyed your heart you need a heart transplant or you're not going to make it. And and one day, my pacemaker shocked me 64 times just to keep me alive. And I was hospitalized 25 times in 2019. Well, wow. But now, you couldn't tell. I'm, I'm back in the gym. Uh, I'm living life. Me and my wife, we've traveled. We've been to Europe. I went to Germany to see my family. Uh, met some new cannabis family over there. Uh, We're we're planning a trip to Argentina, and I made that transition. My rehab all involved cannabis. Rick Simpson oil. uh, I take uh, 6,000 milligrams CBD three times a day. I have it special made for me.
2: And how does your back feel?
3: I forgot about
2: my back, buddy. Oh, (laughs) fantastic. (laughs) That's good to hear.
3: Well, I still know that. I mean, you know, when I broke L4, L5, and S1, I have a cage. And uh, for people in the medical field, you know, that's big, big surgery. And there's times where, you know, when I go to the gym, i have to wear a belt. Uh, there's times where I have to get down on the floor and stretch because the muscles, they can't do it all. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of metal in my body. But like I said, before I work out, I have a, a terp pin. And I have a little container with some diamonds, or you know, maybe some live resin, and that gets me through my workout. I want to—I want to tell you something. When after the open heart surgery, I was on a dilated drip, mm-hmm. and after about three days, I quit using that drip and I started using Dabs. My doctor's like, "How come you're not hitting the button?" <laughs> <laughs> i said you know
1: because i'm hitting another button
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes ma'am and and you know he's from india my cardiologist and and he believes in cannabis i, I told him you know i've looked at people used to look at me uh, you tested positive for marijuana here in texas you go to prison you go to prison for that for a long time we're just now at the point where you can get pulled over, and if uh, here in Dallas, if you have four ounces or less, they'll write you a ticket. But you know, I've got people in my cannabis club here that uh, the reason that they joined the club is they went to jail for an ounce or they went to jail for a couple grams, mm-hmm. and it cost them quite a bit of money here in Texas. But you're starting to see the light. Well, people like myself, you know, uh, we tell our stories, and, and, and I go to Austin. Austin's our capital. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been to Austin a few times, and I go in there, and I tell them, hey, you guys know me. I won Mr. Texas, remember? <laughs> yeah, I do remember you. I said, I used to work for the airline. And, and that whole time, you know, you guys were drug testing me, and and but you were allowing me to take opiates that were just like heroin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you tell them that story and, and they look at you and, the, and you're a grandfather and they look at my body and they're like, damn, this guy's in shape. At least he's serious. So they listen to me. And we got a, core, a thing called the Texas Compassionate Use Program. And, you know, a lot of people laugh at it, but it broke ground for medical patients here to get plant medicine. I mean... When, when you think of Texas, what do you think of?
1: Rednecks.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sorry, I do.
3: <laughs> everybody carries a gun. Everybody chews tobacco. Everybody wears a hat, drinking beer, eating tacos. Well, now we're, we're, we're introducing this, the cannabis back into the society. There's no more stigma. You know, I, I spoke at a, at, a, at a deal in June in Austin, and it was wonderful to be around those people. We were around people from all over the world, and we were all there for one reason to tell our story about how cannabis saved our lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've made friends there in Austin that we'll go see in Los Angeles. Uh, I made friends that we'll go see in Denver. Whenever we travel, we make some wonderful friends, and they have the same story cannabis saved my life.
2: Well if you uh, ever talk to those friends again we'd uh, we'd like to hear from them I mean we sure. we're always uh, looking for people to interview I think it's remarkable what uh, what you've told us about your story and how you got uh, broke your back hooked on pharmaceuticals for 7 years and just became a completely different person 7,
3: seven years is being nice Okay <laughs> seven years was was the bad, bad Russell. You know, it took it took seven years to, for me to realize it. Uh, all in all, there was about twelve, thirteen, four, up to fifteen years of taking pills and having you know a bad attitude. Those days are gone.
2: It's interesting because of your your heart issue. The doctors uh, uh, attributed that to what you said was pharmaceutical abuse. And I thought, isn't that interesting because the doctors were the ones that prescribed it?
3: Yes. The doctors The, the doctors are trained where cannabis is not going to help you. Mm-hmm. They, they've been told since 1937 in our country um, when Mr. Anslinger started his propaganda against cannabis. Mm-hmm. But people don't realize because they don't do the research, but cannabis was in – Fifty percent of the pharmacopoeia here in the United States up until 1937.
2: That's right. Yeah. When you, Russell, when you travel, uh, how do you? I don't want to give away any secrets, but do you take cannabis with you?
3: Well, what I'm allowed to take with me as a patient, I can take. I can. I can take my dronabinol and my CBD oil. Mm has 8% THC. Uh, Just throw that out there. They don't, uh, but uh, they just see, they just see hemp oil. I have, I I have, I have a background in the airline industry.
1: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. yeah.
2: (laughs) Background. (laughs) Yes.
1: Okay. (laughs) Russell, can I ask you, you know, when you're doing um, FICO or RSO or whatever you want to call it, are you doing a multi-strain product, or do you find that there are certain strains that are more helpful for your condition than others?
3: Excellent question. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. The sativa, uh, I, the, 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 the gentleman that makes my Rick Simpson oil is a very close friend of mine, and he likes to use you know, top-grade uh, flour in his Rick Simpson oil. And I've noticed that uh, I've gone to dispensaries in Oklahoma. I've, uh, I've gotten stuff from you know dispensaries close by. And I find that the sativa helps me the most. It's uh, uh, Quantum Kush was the one I found that gave me the most energy. Uh, for pain, it was all the Indicas. Okay. Uh, Interesting. Bubblegum. Uh, what was it? Uh, oh, crap. There was some kind of bubblegum. Sorry, guys. We we usually speak Spanish here, so I get I get kind of confused on my English. But uh, the excellent question, yes the the strains that I find the best and my and my fico are the sativas. Okay. The sativa strains work best for me. Okay. I feel different. Does that make sense? Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, it totally makes sense. Any particular strains besides this bubble gum? This particular bubble gum?
3: Well, uh, Girl Scout cookies. Right. Girl Scout Cookies was one, and uh, there was another one. And, you know, they come out with so many strains. Uh, AK-47. Okay. Was one. AK-47 was one. And, uh, oh, Orange Headband.
1: Okay, good. Now, so I recognize uh, AK-47 and um, the first one that you said that just escapes me now. Um, as a oh, Girl Scout um, being uh, quite they're quite easy to access up here in Canada as well. Oftentimes, uh, strains that are, are available in that person's community aren't necessarily available somewhere else, but at least two of those three are really, you know, widely available around the world, which is great if there's anybody who's having the same issues that you went through, that might be something for them to try.
3: Well, you know, I found out that the Girl Scout cookies was really good for anxiety too. I'd like to add that because, oh, you know, okay, I used to get shocked by my pacemaker, and, and and there's times my heart's gotten so strong that my the algorithms in my pacemaker will think that I'm having you know problems, mm-hmm. and it'll shock me just to put me back in rhythm, and <laughs> that's that's scary. Yeah. So I, I have I have a bit of P- PTSD, but the Girl Scout cookies. I forget all about that PTSD with the girls. <laughs> <laughs> Good.
2: Russell, uh, you have a fantastic story. I just want to ask you, would you be here talking to us today if you were still in pharmaceuticals?
3: No, sir. You
2: wouldn't be alive?
3: No. there's uh, When 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 I went into the hospital on October the 9th, 2017, uh, they didn't give me much chance. They, they they brought in a psychiatrist, uh, they brought in a priest, um, and I tell you, it took me close to three months to get all those medicines completely out of my body.
1: Wow, and look at you today.
3: I, now today, I'm a walking miracle, and I, I am a walking billboard for the benefits of cannabis and whole plant medicine.
1: I wish people could see you because, um, I can see you and you're wearing this muscle shirt and you're like really built, like you have, you, you look like you live at the gym. You like, you're in great
3: shape. Well, uh, that's what kept me going. You know, being an athlete, uh, I, I was a German kid. They used to pick on me when I was a kid, believe that. So I started pumping up, I got a lot more respect and I felt better about myself. But, you know, when I got on those pharmaceuticals, it, it messed my body up a little bit. So I thank you for the compliment. I, 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 I'm, I'm pushing 60. <laughs> and me and my wife, we try to live a very healthy lifestyle. I do take some supplements, too. Good.
2: Russell, I hate to admit this, but you're still a young
3: man. Yes, I am. <laughs> I, 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 I have so much to live for now, and I, I can actually thank cannabis for helping me get here.
2: Yeah, wonderful story, Russell. We greatly appreciate it, and uh, I'm sure many people around the world will be able to relate to this. Thanks very much.
3: I really appreciate being on here, guys. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Russell, for sharing your story, and congratulations on just totally changing your life.
3: Hey, if me and my wife come to Vancouver, let's go have dinner and have a sesh.
1: Yeah, give us, give us a call, for sure.
3: I'll Auf same.
2: And once again, we'd like to thank uh, Russell Langhammer in Dallas, Texas, for his remarkable story. And we'd like to thank our listeners for supporting us and sharing our podcasts with others who would benefit from hearing stories like Russell and other testimonials about the healing power of cannabis. And if you'd like to support us, there are a couple of ways you can do that. You can make a one-time donation on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. Or you can become a monthly supporter in Patreon for $5 a month or a one-time donation for also as little as $5 a month. You can do that through our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. We're very grateful for your support and thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with another episode of Cannabis Health Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes and follow us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners If you found the information helpful please consider making a donation in any amount through our website You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows.